We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions, a Q&A style show covering whatever our subscribers feel like hearing about. And it's presented by Macadoodles, your one-stop shop for beer, wine, and spirits. Now in Kansas City, the latest episode of 21 Questions begins now. It's 21 Questions, presented by Macanoodles. I'm Ken Swanson. I'm here with my dear, handsome, uh, well-lifted pal, Matthew Lane. Matthew. Uh, I thought you were introducing Craig for a second, and mm-hmm. I got confused. I was like, wait. How's that, strength, how's that strength trading going? And, you know, it's going great, Ken. Thanks for asking. I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying putting on my knee sleeves and front squatting because, you know, that is what was happening. I... <laughs> Maddie doesn't he has an Instagram finally at Maddie underscore KCSN. <laughs> kind of. And like the only things I've ever seen him post are him lifting on Instagram yeah. stories. It is so good. Literally once a week because I'm trying to keep myself accountable to get back into Olympic lifting. So once a week on my Olympic lifting days, I am just posting my story of whatever I did that day. It's just a way for me to keep myself accountable with the Olympic lifting. I could post it all there, but that mostly goes into the Discord. Well, I uh, I'm proud of you, buddy. Uh, oh, thank you, look, you. You look fantastic. Uh, the results are kind to me. Showing, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's get into these questions. We got plenty of them. We'll start with Mike Denny. He's just coming off with a heater, which is a worse food take. Maddie saying pink starbursts are worse than anything or anything Kent has ever said. I mean, the worst one is Kent saying anything of his food takes. I got Mike was very offended that I said the pink Starburst is the worst. And I'm sorry, but like it's the fact. It's the most generic, bland, fake sugar, fruit candy tasting thing ever. If you could extract the flavor of a pink Starburst and give it to somebody in a syringe, not a single person would know that it's a pink Starburst. It's the most bland, generic flavor possible. Like that's why people like it. That's why the that's why the masses like it. Cause it's the most generic, bland thing. That's what Americans like. They go, Oh, it's sweet. Let me love this. Even though it's the worst flavor of Starburst, hands down. It's worse than pina colada because at least that has a flavor. I Terrible. Terrible flavor, Kent. Yellow is the worst Starburst flavor. No, that's false. It's tart. It's refreshing. It's different. It actually has a flavor. You eat a yellow Starburst, you're like, oh, that's lemon. Maybe you don't love it, but you go, oh, that's lemon. You eat a pink one, you're like, yeah, that was sugar water. Cool. That's all it is. It's terrible. I'm just going to say this. Um, Someone within the KCSN infrastructure has been adhering to my food takes recently. And I am currently three for three. So uh, I'm not going to tell you who. I'll let them sing my praises on their own. I know who it is. (laughs) And I know it's been forced. I also know Jordan's food takes outside of your recommendations. And yeah, I feel pretty good about where I stand. Yeah, if this movie, if this movie takes or anything, you know, there we got problems. Uh, our guy Grayson Jaspers uh, is only holding four linebackers on the 53-man roster the move, elevating a fifth for special teams if needed in enough depth to stash one on practice squad. Uh, I'll let you go. I have my opinions. I have my thoughts. 
is all okay. Sorry, I was reading Grayson's first question, which I thought was a better one, but that's okay. We will <laughs> we will answer this one. Um, is holding four linebackers on the no? I don't think so. I think linebacker is a physical position. I think it's a position where guys are very likely to get hurt within a get within a game, and it wouldn't be outside of the question to have two injuries in a game. Now, can you survive an NFL game with only having two linebackers? Sure, but do you? If you get a Nick, if you get a Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil injury in one game, and I'm giving given Drew Tranquil a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, how comfortable do you feel with a Leo Chanel and Willie Gay finishing out a game, making all of the calls and doing everything? I don't feel great about that. It's like I just I think it's one of those spots where you probably need an extra body just available out there. Yeah, I don't think you can get cute with a position like that with that like you're right that kind of physicality, but fives relatively thin I think for the position as well um I I did a 53 man roster projection on the KCSN Substack last week you can go check that out you can kind of see where I went I went with five linebackers um, my linebacker to watch for that fifth spot was Isaiah Moore out of North Carolina State over Jack Concord I think Isaiah Moore has the kind of mentality that I think he could be a really high quality special teams player big physicality um you know, good tackler, you know, really fun downhill player, decisive downhill player. Um, I think he has more chops as a defender than Jack Cochran, who I believe will be the favorite to be that fifth linebacker on that roster just because of the special teams ability that got him to stick around last year. So I think it's going to be five linebackers. I think four is a little bit too thin. You got to start having these questions about Shane Bouchelle. Shane Bouchelle is the linchpin in the 53-man roster. He's the free, he's the seventh receiver roster spot. He's the five cornerbacks, five safeties, or six cornerbacks, four safeties, you know, if you want to try to keep Nazi Johnson and Nick Jones. Like he's the guy that's kind of swinging those positions. So if um, they don't I just want to say, I think that final linebacker spot too that you mentioned there, I, I'm gonna put Cam Jones' name in that competition yes. too, actually. And I think it entirely depends on what the Chiefs want. Cochran gives you the most proven player that's been in the system with known special teams value. I think Isaiah Moore gives you the best run defender of the three, the guy that's the most physical and the best ready to play like right now versus the run. And Cam Jones is probably the best of that group in coverage. He's the guy that just seems to have the most Agreed. open field fluidity. So what do the Chiefs want kind of out of that final linebacker spot? I think that'll be kind of telling. Drew Tranquil's addition, I think, makes it a little bit harder for Cam Jones, a little bit of overlap and skill set, but maybe they do see him as like a pretty clear-cut one-to-one backup there, which I don't know if they see a Willie Gay or a Leo Chanel as like that kind of guy. So I just, I want to throw his name into that too. It's a it's a pretty interesting battle for the final linebacker spot on a depth chart, and I think three guys that are probably worth of it in different situations. I'll tell you the reason I went with Isaiah Moore is because I think we've seen this team essentially play coverage downs without a Drew Tranquil involved. So we've seen this team operate without Drew Tranquil in coverage. So the three linebackers that are here currently on the roster, they won a Super Bowl playing, uh, you know. So that's kind of where my mentality went with like, hey, they've already added some coverage depth. I think Isaiah Moore will probably endear himself to Steve Spagnuolo as that downhill Mike linebacker. He was a high-level communicator at North Carolina State. Those are the things and, and the reasons I think Isaiah Moore could be the guy. But yeah, I'm not going to not gonna bat an eye if Cam Jones is the guy. Uh, or Jack Conkren, frankly, if they if they just love um, his special teams ability. Kyle C., who from KCSN could throw a football over the mountains? So I'll just tell you, I'm the former quarterback. I feel pretty good about my uh, my ability to hold up in that kind of competition. I think BJ is a sleeper. I think BJ is a sleeper because he's got the arm talent too. We've we've slung so, the ball around the yard a little yeah, bit when we were in the league. I'd say it's definitely Kent. Um, BJ is, has a chance. The problem is a baseball guy doesn't always translate great to throwing a football the best. Um, so. I mean, I think it's probably pretty easily Kent, given the background. I throw an ugly football. I can throw it kind of far, but it's ugly. It's a super ugly throw. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd go with Kent on that one, probably, You're, likely, for sure. Yeah. Craig, you know, you would think with the with the natural leverage, but... Ooh, I don't know. He uh, If he studied under Cole McDonald for a while and trebucheted that bad boy, he could get, he could get some I velocity almost made that a, I almost made a trebuchet reference. 
Um, Grayson's asking some absolute bangers. I'm going to ask this one as well. Um, is Nazi Johnson the new Chris Lamont's with more upside? I think so. The way that the way that uh, the way that Dave Tobe talked about him this weekend, um, making me rethink Nick Jones and Nazi. Well, I mean, actually, I don't know if I don't know if it's making me think Nick Jones and Nazi Johnson. I think it's making me rethink Shane Bouchelle further because. I think both like the way it sounds like Dave Tobes got, you know, big goals for Nick Jones and Nazi Johnson as special teams contributors. And Nazi Johnson definitely deserves some attention for sure. Um, I believe he's called their number one gunner. So I, one gunner. I feel yeah, very, very confident that he is making this team because he was he was specifically called the number one gunner for the team. And it sounded like Nick Jones, they have plans for him as a four core special teamer early in his career too, which is the way Dave Tobe was talking. So it's like, okay. Going back to the numbers crunches, but just specifically on Nazi Johnson, I believe when I was watching the Super Bowl and watching some of the special team snaps, I believe the Eagles were double teaming him at times, not as a gunner, but I believe on kickoff. I think it was him. I got it. It was kind of tough to see, but I'm pretty sure it was him that they were double teaming on kickoff. So um, he's a guy you definitely need to watch out for. Do you have any more Nazi Johnson thoughts? Um, maybe on the upside, do you have any? Do you have any belief in the upside on the defensive side of the ball? Can't get worse than Lamont's. Freakish athlete. Um, I think uh, Steve Spagnuolo talked about how Trent McDuffie and Legereus Seed can both play in the slot, but they are looking for another person they feel comfortable there. Nazi Johnson, that's where he got the majority of his kind of corner reps last year when working with, you know, not like the bottom, like the final team, the practice squad level team. Um, so maybe he can emerge as a, as the third slot corner option, which give, does give him more upside. I think you just got to see it. He's not a young, not a younger prospect. He's a little bit older. He is a freakish athlete, though. So maybe it starts to translate on the field and you do get some actual corner play. But sometimes, you know, a guy just becomes a career special teamer and is really good at that for a while, for however long he's in the NFL. And that could just be where he's going to end up being. A friendly reminder that Nazi Johnson was worth that seventh round pick 10 out of 10 times. Getting that kind of value out of him just as a special teams contributor with that kind of impact is massive. Uh, so... I know it's kind of just 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 setting expectations for seventh round picks is kind of a decent thing to do from time to time. Julian K, what team do you most want to see Mahomes pull out the behind the back pass? Oh, this is easy. This is so easy. The Denver Broncos. I want to see him continue to break the spirit of that fan base and put all of his ridiculous looking throws against the Denver Broncos. He has he has just embarrassed them in every capacity. Just ripped their hearts out. The only AFC West team without a victory over Mahomes. But they Just, play pretty well. They play the Broncos defense plays Mahomes generally well, but he seems to have some of the freakiest plays against the Denver Broncos. So that's why I want to continue to be against them. I want that to be against them. I want them to think they have some kind of sack and he hits them with a the behind the back pass and or for a real play too. Um it would be so great. I don't think this question was asked after Mahomes threw a perfect strike with a softball from third base to the first baseman either. I cannot tell you how easy that he made that like how easy he made that look. It was ridiculous that behind the back pass in the big slick softball game. Like it was nuts. That is not easy to do and he made it look so effortless. It's ridiculous. Like he's gonna do it in a game. It's gonna happen. I, I it's gotta happen. I, I, I think, I think, I think it's, I think it's in play, potentially this year. He might get in trouble for it, but uh, it's in play this year. He's already hinting at it. We're gonna take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody that's hanging out. Appreciate everybody that asks questions on the KCSN uh, Discord. Uh, when you are a subscriber to the KCSN Substack, you get all the premium content from myself, Maddie, Craig, Joseph Hefner. Uh, you get daily updates from Charles Goldman. You get all kinds of sweet, sweet content going. And you get access to the KCSN Discord. It's a thriving KC community that's talking about all things Kansas City and more. Like we got a lot of different, um, you know, subsections of of uh, of the Discord. It's really really fun. So um, you get access to that when you subscribe. It's like thirty bucks a year. It's totally worth it. Tank the Frank asks, "What prospects have caught your eye for the twenty twenty draft that you saw when watching film for the twenty twenty three draft prospects?" Can I? All right, like I'll I'll make a quick sweeping statement. Like okay. we say, wait till next year on draft on quarterbacks a lot. It's been right the last two years. It has been. Because last year, when that terrible draft class, when Maddie Lane tried to talk me into Desmond Ritter, uh <laughs> sorry, I'm not joking you because MVP candidate. Um no, that that draft class, that quarterback draft class was awful last year. And we said wait till next year, and it was true. This class is night and day better than the Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett class. It's not even close. I will again say Drake May and Caleb Williams is a step above as prospects this group of players. You know, I I genuinely believe it. All these players that you saw this year were worth getting drafted where they got drafted. Will Levis would have been the best quarterback in 2020, uh, 2021 or 2022's draft. I believe that that this next class is... Special, so I'll start with that, and you can. I, I got a couple more if you got, you know. Um, I mean, I think the wide receiver class in general is going to be pretty good next year. I mean, obviously you have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Abuka, his teammates there, Malik Neighbors, Xavier Worthy, uh, Roma Dunes out of Washington. Um, I'm sure I'm even forgetting some. Oh, the uh, just Troy Franklin from Oregon. Like, th- there's a lot of good wide receivers last year that when you were trying to watch various corners or quarter, I mean, just any players that these guys were kind of popping off the screen. You go and look, and these guys are all coming back as underclassmen. So I do think the wide receiver class next year is going to be pretty good. Um, I see, I'm trying to think of some other guys that really stuck out to me. Uh, Washington's edge rusher, uh, is it Jalen Bryce, stuck out. He almost came out for this draft class and then decided to go back kind of last second. So he's a guy that I think I am intrigued by, and I think uh, Spags will be too. He kind of has that body type. And then uh, the one other guy that I've kind of been big on for a while uh, Will Anderson got all the hype at Alabama, but Dallas Turner has been really good. Now he's not the prototypical Steve Spagnuolo type of edge, so I don't and and he's gonna go before the Chiefs have a chance to draft him. So I don't know how interested the team would be, but I really do like Dallas Turner's ability as just a raw, pure speed rusher. I kind of think he has all the tools for it. He's always impressed me when he's got out there. Yeah, he takes advantage of one on ones, but like one-on-ones versus SEC offensive tackle still is nothing to scoff at, right? So Dallas Turner is a guy that I think I'm going to be higher on than a lot of people. I'll throw one more out that I I think when it's all said and done, I don't even know why I'm bringing this guy up, but it's a fun Chiefs connection. John Alt's son, Joe Alt, the left tackle out of Notre Dame, is quite good already. Uh, he's ginormous. He's a massive kid. Uh, he moves really well for a kid his size. Um, I think he's going to be a bona fide left tackle prospect and one of the best. I, he'll probably be le- he'll probably be left tackle too when it's all said and done. Uh, I'm not going to butcher. Is it Olu Fashunu? Olu, we just call him Olu. 
Olu out of Penn State, he's going to be a tackle one most likely, but I think Joe Alt will push him. I think Joe Alt will wind up being OT2 in this class. He's a good player. I think a lot of people are split on those two, for what it's worth. Like, I do think a lot of people are pretty split on them. I, I'm an Olu fan. I mean, he would have been my offensive tackle one with a bullet this past year, and he was, what, 19 years old or whatever. So, you know, I, I think he'll be my OT1 for sure, barring like a huge improvement from Alt, which would be crazy because he is already really good. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be in striking distance for the Chiefs. Let's just say that. Leighton Y44, in your opinion, what would you say the realistic percentage is of DeAndre Hopkins ending up in Kansas City? Matthew, what do you go? 17%. I'll go uh I'll go 17.01%. The longer it goes, I think the more it goes up though. The like the longer it goes means some team no team has just come in and thrown the bag at him. So the longer it goes, I think it'll come down to him having to take less money and that bodes well for the Chiefs. Um, so yeah, the longer it goes, that only goes up from there. But like sitting here right now, 17, Chiefs don't have a ton of money and there's a couple other teams competing for a Super Bowl that also don't have a ton of money that he makes sense for. Um, th- I, This is a great opportunity to say things that I wish we would have talked about on Monday uh, during the DeAndre Hopkins conversation. The Chiefs simply have to come up with the second biggest contract in team history in order to create the flexibility to sign DeAndre Hopkins. Like, just, you know, just, you know, uh, just the second biggest contract in team history. I do think um, there's really, there's only a couple realistic options for the Chiefs to be able to make it work. One is Chris Jones. uh, Some kind of Travis Kelsey restructure could potentially do it too. That's really it. Because I don't see them trying to, like, I know there's possibilities for restructures. Like, uh, Joe Tooney, I don't think they're going to, they're going to remove, I know, exactly. They're not going to remove the flexibility to move on from Joe Tooney a year early. So that's where you got to kind of think about. I think there's two moves they can make to create the flexibility. Theoretically, they're going to have to do one of them anyway. Because they're going to have, I mean, unless they want to, you know, trade Clyde Edwards-Alaire and then have $3 million in cap space for the season. You know, or just like, there's not a ton of realistic options. So there's that comment on DeAndre Hopkins. Here's the other comment. You're right. The longer it goes on, the better it is for the Chiefs. The recent conversation this weekend about DeAndre Hopkins is, oh, he's not looking to go to a contender. He's not looking to go to contender. He'll go anywhere. Well, two things. I don't think a bunch of non-contenders are really wanting to deal with him because the more that comes out doesn't seem like it's going to be the easiest, most amenable situation to accommodate DeAndre Hopkins. Second off, I think DeAndre Hopkins now that he's got representation, is probably trying to use the bad teams as leverage for the good teams because the good teams aren't budging and the good teams are sticking to a budget. So he's trying to get and drum up some interest for some of these lower-level teams that probably aren't going to be keep competing. I think that's what's happening here when it comes to the DeAndre Hopkins situation. I don't know if you have any more to add. No, I would generally agree with that. I think that, I think that's what this change has been. It's, oh, he sides with an agent, and now all of a sudden he's not just looking at good teams. He is looking at everybody, whereas a couple months ago, he was only worrying about good teams. Even if you go back just a couple weeks ago, quarterbacks you want to play with are all, one, really good, and two, on contending teams. And then all of a sudden that changed. Like, that's just a bargaining chip, right? So, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, you want this to go along as long as possible because that just makes it more and more likely that the Chiefs have a chance to kind of come up with the money that any other team would. Well, that means nobody's really, you know, found anything that they're, you know, optim. You know, that that means that he hasn't found anything he's really looking for. Positive toasty. Which second round wide receiver ends up having the best career? McCole, Hardman, Sky Moore, or Rashi Rice? Boy. That's a so okay, here's the thing. I I think as some Chiefs fans, uh, maybe present company included, don't have not been super thrilled with the way McCall Hardman has progressed in the NFL and what he has done. But we still have to remember he's been a very productive wide receiver for a second round pick. No, it hasn't always come in the most skilled of ways. No, it has not come in the most versatile ways that we all like. But he has been very productive. So it, it, he's kind of the one setting the bar right now. And like he's got off to a hotter start than Sky Moore did. He's probably going to be off to a hotter start than Rasheed Rice will be after his first season, right? So he's got the lead. I'm going to take Sky Moore because he's a little bit younger than Rice entering the NFL. I think there's a little, he's less, he's had less time at the position. So I feels like there's more room to grow there. 
And he's a guy that I just think will find a useful role in the NFL. You can slap him in the slot. You can use him in certain ways that I think will allow him to stick around the NFL for a long time and kind of get to that most uh, productive spot. I think Rashi Rice uh, has has a chance. I really do. I think he has a chance um, to be the guy that when it's all said and done, it's all going to like we talk about the man coverage, if he's going to be able to separate consistently against man coverage. But if he gets put in a favorable position where he gets to play against a lot of zone, I think he's a guy that can really find a role uh, within this offense very quickly and have a highly productive career. So uh, forgive me. So give me that. Arrow asks a great question. After Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed, who do you think is cornerback three? I think they wanted to be Joshua Williams, but it's been Jalen Watson when healthy. The only time he kind of lost his spot was when he was playing with a hand injury and it came after, you know, not the best game playing the ball against the Buccaneers, but like that's really the only time he nearly lost that third cornerback spot. I think he seems to have a little bit better grasp on the offensive system, how the Chiefs want him to play, what exactly he is supposed to do. He has a knack for making big plays and big moments. You don't see this entire past season. So, I mean, I think he's got a leg up on it right now. Andy Nagel, what player has turned out to be a great pick that you didn't like at the time? (laughs) I got one if you don't. Of course. I think I've mentioned this before, so I'm kind of cheating using it again, but it's really a big one. Uh, I was not the biggest Dwayne Bow fan uh, coming out. I was young. I was young. It was a lot harder to find tape to watch at the time. I didn't really know how to do it, but I, I watched college football. I went and watched as much as I could. I did not think Dwayne Bow was going to get to the NFL and separate. I did not think he could run particularly well. And the Chiefs took him over Robert Meacham, who I thought was going to be very good in the NFL. And well, Meacham had a good year or two run with the Saints, essentially just being a deep threat. Dwayne Bow was clearly a much better player than him. And Dwayne Bow, I think, would have been a lot better had the Chiefs offense been stable and, you know, not terrible during much of his the prime of his career. So, yeah, Dwayne Bow's a guy that I far out or far surpassed kind of like my expectations of him. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I didn't love the Mitch Morse pick when it happened. I was really not a fan of the Mitch Morse pick. I just, I don't know. I, I well, it's it's kind of tricky to project him because like he'd played some tackle and he played some, you know, you know, he hadn't played a ton of center, but the move to center obviously turned out fantastic. But I just didn't see him as like I, I didn't consider him a center prospect entirely. And then they moved him to center, and he was one of the best centers in football for a large stretch of that. Um, yeah. I, I think I I I would I flat out missed on Mitch Morse for sure. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones like any more deep cuts because those are kind of fun. Uh, let's let's call a spade a spade. We uh we were not the highest on Nick Bolton coming into the NFL. Yeah. He's clearly been better than what we thought. I think he has generally been what we thought, but I just like been better at it. And I I don't try to spend a ton of time talking about this whole Nick Bolton thing, but get the shovel out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I don't think I, I I know like my receipts are like they look really bad. The optics on my receipts are really bad with Bolton and like yeah, I didn't don't love you backtrack. The, I don't know. I didn't love the pick. Like I'll I've pretty I've been pretty upfront with that. But I don't know. Like in the second round, I didn't hate it as much as I hated the idea of taking him in the first round. And I still would maintain I don't think he's worth the first round pick. Um, but he's a very good football player for what he's asked to do. Uh, and I mean, he played his, the thing about like Nick Bolton played a fantastic game in the Super Bowl. Like people like, I hope people don't forget that he was at his best in the biggest moment when his team needed the most. And I still think he's probably more of a two down type player. I think Drew Tranquil will take a lot of those coverage downs away from him. But like, I don't want that to take away from what he's been in on early downs and as a football player. Like, I think he's, I think he's a fantastic linebacker for what he is like i'm still probably going to maintain you know he's he's not the coverage guy i would prefer but i think when you take a step back from that you like we probably need to chill a little bit on our expectations for linebackers a little bit because there's just there's not a ton of guys there's not a ton of great three down linebackers in the national football league and i think the farther and farther away from like that pick specifically i look at i go Man, I mean, there's just not many of those dudes. Like, they're just simply I, aren't. 
I think it's very much helped the the optics of the pick, I guess is the best way to say it, in the fact that the Chiefs don't ask him to do a lot in coverage. And like theoretically, that's not great, right? That you have a linebacker that you spend this relatively early, an early pick on that's coming in kind of being the leader of your team in that room, but then you don't give him that many responsibilities in coverage. But you're protecting not only your team and like him as a player by not putting him in bad spots, but you're also protecting kind of the optics of stuff because like it's, it's a lot harder to look at the Chiefs and be like, oh, wow, X play, you know, this linebacker wasn't great in coverage on this play because they're just simply not asking them to do a ton. And I think that's very smart. And if that was known going in, if that was part of the plan was that we aren't going to ask our linebacker to even attempt to do things that Fred Warner or Roquan Smith do, and obviously you shouldn't you know, have that expectation, right? But as long as you're not even going to ask that, then I think that maybe skews it a little bit, not skews it, but like that helps out the cause. And maybe that was something that should have been taken into a little bit more account when the pick was made by people like us who maybe did question the coverage ability and how it would translate to the NFL. 100% agree. But uh, Nick Bolton's been fantastic. I don't want, I I hate that, like, you know, the narrative. (laughs) I just, I hate that, like, I get viewed as a Nick Bolton hater because if you go read the thread, I wasn't a hater. I just didn't like him in the first round. That was really where it, but it, it, that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I'm going to continue to catch these L's. I'm going to catch them for the rest of my life. It's totally fine. I've come to grips with it. Uh, Christian asks, who's, what is more likely? Kent strikes out Maddie or Maddie gets a hit off of Kent? Oh, if we stepped up to a plate, I'm literally letting everything go because I'm getting a free walk. Ain't no chance Kent is throwing three strikes. That, I was no going to say, we need to add a third. We need to add a third option. <laughs> It's what's more likely Kent strikes out Maddie, Maddie gets a hit, or Kent hits Maddie. <laughs> so yeah, I saw that. And I was like, I haven't swung a I haven't swung a baseball bat for real in a long time. And like my mobility now is not what it once was. But I, you know, I I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was a decent baseball player going up. Like, you know, I was pretty decent. I could hit relatively well. Good hand-eye coordination. That's that was my thing. I just don't know how well I could swing now. I just also don't trust Kent to throw three strikes before he throws four balls. Now, the, the to be fair, the question is uh, strike out Maddie or get a hit. So, like, there's the, yeah. the walking doesn't count. That's not a hit. Last time I checked, Matthew. Just going to say. Wait, right. But, like, are you just, do you just get infinite throws? Like, does it reset every time you walk me? Yeah. Or does it just, keep it resets counting? every time you walk me. Yeah. No, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a hit before you get three strikes in a row. So, I'm just not swinging. I'm not swinging until you start floating them. I think I could, so you I need think... to ice your arm. Until you need to ice your arm, I'm not swinging. I think I can strike you out. I think I can get three across the plate. I think I could. You gotta get me to swing. You gotta get me to swing. Beyond target, get me to swing. I don't know, buddy. I think I can get three across without you swinging. I can do that. What, okay, what's more ball. likely? More likely, more, likely? Is I stri- more likely is I strike. We test this out or we test out the one-on-one basketball. This is going to turn into like a decathlon of sports. If we're not careful, we're going to play one-on-one. We're going to like, we're going to go toe-to-toe on the bump. We're going to golf. I, let's golf, please. Let's golf. Uh-huh. 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 You got to give you a couple wins here. I said, I'll give you golf. <laughs> okay. So you would wait. So you admit the other ones are my wins. I think Glim- you are way more competitive in basketball. I think basketball is going to be quite competitive if we ever get to it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Appreciate everybody hanging out. Lee87, uh, what is your favorite story that you two have together that you've not told on air? Have we told Have we told the Senior Bowl story? Which one? <laughs> there's that one uh you know i think we might have told that one before i'm trying to think because so, i got a relatively funny one this is kind of everybody we were in um we were in las vegas and kent enjoys a good game of blackjack he likes to play 21 and so when we're in vegas it's a constant quest to find like the table that he likes sometimes and not that like you know go completely out of the way most of the time but he's <laughs> always just looking out well one night after a night's game after taco bell after a lot of stuff Kent really wanted to play some blackjack, and he decided to make us go to the Tropicana to play because they have tables that he enjoys. They have cheap tables because I'm cheap. Really long way, especially for the 2 a.m. that it was in our current states, 
to start heading towards the drop. And we, we're finally there. We're crossing this big parking lot on the way there. And Tucker and I are lagging behind a little bit. And all of a sudden, Tucker just kind of stops and he goes, what are we doing? And I looked at him and I go, do you just want to go back to the room? And so, I mean, we're uh, probably a good 50 feet from Kent. And then I think it was BJ at the time. And we just yelled, yeah, we're not coming. And then we just turned around and we just went back to the hotel room after we had walked from in for probably 30, 45 minutes to start heading towards this blackjack table. And Tucker and I just pulled the cord immediately with no explanation. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a good night. Um, I know like one time me and Maddie stayed back at a Mexican restaurant, enjoyed uh, a picture of margaritas, uh, while we were hanging out at the, uh, at the, at the senior bowl. That was quite a fun night. Uh, we just, we just stunk, we just stuck back and just had ourselves just our own little good time. Uh, so there's that one. Uh, Matthew McNabb, what's your worst draft comp you've ever had? That's tough because yeah, I don't know. I don't rem- I honestly, I'll be honest. I don't remember my comps a lot because a lot of my draft, like there's a couple that I remember because I'll write them down when watching somebody, but there's other times where I kind of wait till we see athletic testing and you just find a physical profile that matches and then you kind of go from there. So a lot of them don't jump out immediately. I, I'm going to guess my worst one is whoever I comp Ja'Kai Polite to because I liked him and he ended up being terrible. So whoever I put down as a comp for Ja'Kai Polite was probably my worst one. I kind of want to go find that now. I, I think like the problem, like so the way we do comps is, is we don't necessarily do career arc. We do physical profile skill set, but not like this is their career projection. And I think that makes it a little tricky to have like a worst one because I mean... I don't know. That's true. I'm gonna go. I gotta go find this Jakai Polite. I gotta go find this Jakai Polite take now, though. Uh, I'm gonna go I, I found it. Hold okay. on. Your I comp for Jakai Polite was Shane Ray. Okay, actually, that's maybe not that bad. That <laughs> 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 <Not> bad. <laughs> Nailed it. Even on the guy that I really liked as a prospect. I Got him. <laughs> um, best hit. Uh, Joel Penfield asked the best draft hit we've had. And the worst draft missed. I was too low on Lamar Jackson. I think that was a bad one. Like that, I was too low on Jamar on Lamar Jackson, and I was too low on Josh Allen. If I'm being honest, so yeah. I think Josh Allen might actually. I mean, they were both like kind of in that same range for me. I think I both put him in like that third round grade, which is kind of about what I gave like the Malik Willis's of the world. So I missed on Josh Allen. I missed on um, Lamar Jackson. That's actually really helped me in some ways, not entirely. But it's helped. It helped inform my belief in Anthony Richardson as a prospect, and where I in the kind of grade I put him. So I kind of learned from those. What was your worst one? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know the worst one off the top of my head. I'm sure that I know plenty of. Like, okay, here's one that'll kind of hit home for for the Chiefs for Chiefs fans. Creed Humphrey. Um, we saw him at the Senior Bowl. And like at, at Oklahoma, I thought he was good, but I thought he was protected a lot by the scheme because he was often kind of just getting to you know. Uh, not even down. He's just getting to cut off guys like that. He's just essentially just a cut off blocker so many times. Um, now his athleticism made a lot of what they did doable because he could make these long blocks. But I just I wasn't overly impressed on tape. We went to the Senior Bowl and he was just kind of getting ragdolled around. Right, he was just getting pushed around a lot. He could not hold his anchor, so that really soured me on him. So I kind of dropped him way lower than I probably should have after that and put a little too much stock into what I saw down there based on the the physical demeanor that he had. And it came at the same time. I was doing it to a lot of Wisconsin offensive linemen because they just have no lower body strength. Like when you see a Wisconsin offensive lineman anymore, these like the guys in the past five, six years, they're just really small and they're lower half. And I just, that doesn't sit well to me for an offensive lineman. So I'm watching these Wisconsin guys get blown off the ball and not transition great to the NFL. The same thing's happening to Creed at the senior bowl. And I think I just kind of overcorrected for it. Uh, Fred Warner was a big dub for both of us. Yeah. Oh, That's my one I always go to. You know who my worst miss was? Hercules Mataafa. I I I ended up with like a top. It wound up being like top fifty ish for him. Like some loved him, some hated him. I was I was so off on him. It was so bad. But Fred Warner, we both had really big grades on. Uh, Jesse Bates was a big dub for me. Uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson I had as a top 20 prospect and I think he was a lot better than where he wound up getting drafted so there's a few 
Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, any other big ones, but yeah, those are those are some of the dubs and some of the L's. I can't. The Hercules was, a, was bad. I don't know if this is like a huge one, but like I was really high on Jeremy Chin. Um, I thought he was going to be a lot better. I mean, like he went he went early. I understand, but like you know, I had him higher than a lot of other safeties. I thought I could see some things there. Uh, Andrew Thomas was my tackle to that year, and not that anybody's not any of the tackles have been bad. Actually, I guess Becton's been the worst, but like. Andrew Thomas is like on his way to maybe being the best offensive tackle in the NFL. Like if you want to say right now you were taking him as your first offensive tackle in the NFL, I don't think anyone would scoff at you. And after his rookie year, I know a lot of people were kind of beating him down a little bit. So those are just some guys I'm trying to look back through some of the draft guide stuff. And I know I was a little bit higher on than some other people. And those were, those are two of them. I know like as a draft guy, we were all pretty high on like Kelvin Harmon. That was, Oh yeah. But like I feel like, and here's the good thing: like we were talking though too. Yeah, but we would talk about some of these L's, and it's I think we've learned lessons from him. You know, like I think our our desire to you know to lean towards guys that can't separate consistently has revealed itself over time. Like it's helped it's helped adjust and course correct for us on some of these L's that we've taken. You Hercules Mataafa, I his I liked his film. But his his number his athletic testing was just so embarrassingly bad that I should have tanked him lower, honestly, because there's just a certain threshold when you have short arms and you can't explode and, and all that stuff. Like it was just bad, you know. So it's definitely informed my growth as as an evaluator over the last five or six years. So another one, um, and the uh, that we were good on as a whole, but like especially, I think, I mean, I never remember I was, um, in like kind of the other way that I didn't think he was as good as the, clearly somebody in the NFL did. Uh, Ross Blacklock, defensive tackle out of TCU. Mm. There he went late first round, and I think we had a had a late second, if not early third, on him, and even that was entirely based around like the athletic potential, and he went way earlier than that, and I don't think he's really found his footing yet in the in the NFL, so. Oh, uh, one of my other. Hold on, I know. I'm. This is just kind of fun to go through. Uh oh, this is a. Well, I I really liked. Uh, who's the rate? Who's the Raiders' offensive tackle? What's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Huh? Colton Miller. Colton Miller. I had a good. I had a really. I had a strong grade on Colton Miller. And people were like, what? Yeah, I like. So see, I I was very down on him, and I thought I was a genius after like his first two and a half years in the NFL because like he looked really bad, and then he just started putting it together, um, and like just how that kind of went. I the opposite is Brian O'Neill. I did the opposite with Brian O'Neill. I said, yeah, he's small, yeah, he's undersized, but I think he'll figure it out. So like we both kind of hit for the same reasons, just with two different guys there. Because like I I was not a fan of Colt Miller. But where then I saw Brian O'Neill, and I was like, oh, I think he'll figure it out for sure. It's like similar I, concepts, two different players. I don't. I think I have decent Brian O'Neill receipts too. Now I think about it. Yeah, I think we both kind of had decent receipts on him, if I'm remembering correctly. Was that was that what year was that? That was before we did the draft guy. That okay, was that was just us doing our yeah. thing. And okay, okay, that was a fun year. Honestly, that's kind of one of my. If you want to, you want to go back to like favorite memories with Maddie. That's one of my favorite. Like Breland speaks biggest hit. <laughs> not even having him in my like top 125 that I did that year. No, but like that was like that off season kind of like started everything for us. Right. It did. Because like we were arguing about like respect. It wasn't like vitriolic. It was just like we were arguing about like draft takes Hercules and stuff. Madama. And yeah. I was like, oh, hey, this guy knows ball. Let's start talking more. And then he finally got Twitter. And I told, I told him, dude, you should get Twitter. And then you finally got Twitter. And then we started DMing all the time. And then you, me, and Craig started DMing all the time. I like that. I'm pretty sure I had Twitter. I just had like created it for a uh, college class, and I never used it. Uh, wow. so, like I, yeah, I created it in like what 2009, so still late, but like before, I just literally never used it. I was like, oh no, I have one. I had to create it for a college class, and I was supposed to tweet for it, and I never did, but I have it. I just remember when you finally got it. I was like, oh, that's what you look yeah. like. I'm there. <laughs> I'm hanging out. Yeah, no, that kind of that kind of that kind of bonded us. Uh, okay, Carinder asks: Should Andy Reid grow a beard or shave a mu- shave the mustache? Pick one. Oh, I I have a very I very I feel very strongly that he should grow a beard if he's gonna do either. I don't. Want I think he's got to. Take, I think the mustache has got to go. I no, I can't. I don't mm. think I can. I don't think I can do Andy in a beard. Oh, I I could. Are you kidding me? I'm back. Hey, there you go. I totally i i i think Andy Reid could 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 pull a beard off quite easily. 
I think a fully shaved Andy would look ridiculous. I think that's why I'm here for it, I think. I think that's why. <laughs> you want it to. <laughs> uh, best at Bones Jackson, best people to hang out with at tailgate for the Eagles game. I don't know what this means. Like, is that us? <laughs> like, if we're all going to the Eagles game? BJ might be there, so go find BJ. That would be someone. That would be someone worth hanging out with. I think. Is the Eagles game in Kansas at, at Arrowhead? Yes. Sorry, I don't. Yes. Um, if you I mean like if you're not, uh, if you don't want it to just be like, hey, hang out with KCSN. Um, the people, the, Lot J is always a spot to go to. Just kind of go there and walk around. You'll you'll find something fun to do there. That is quite true. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Julian K asks to rank everyone's basketball abilities. I don't, we can't rank them. We can't don't rank know. them. We need to know, but we don't know. If you want to know, oh, like, our on the players, cheeseburger scale. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm bypassing I'm the cheeseburgers. Now I'm back in. No. I have been no. Right no. Nope. Not happening. I think okay. we should give some overarching statements about our games as we've described them to each other. Maddie, I'll just tell, Maddie is like the, like, is the guy that's going to, like, he's the tryhard. He's the defensive tryhard. That is going to lock you down. He's going to play very physical, very aggressive. He's going to focus on playing very good defense and out endurancing you. Like that's what he's described his game as a little bit of ability down the post. He's not going to hit very many jump shots, but he's going to lock you down. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to do all the dirty work. That's as that's how it has been described to me. What am I missing? I, once I get inside the three point line, I have no problem taking jumpers. Good. But can you hit them? I just couldn't. Yeah, you have undersold your ability to hit a jumper. Nah, in the past. I mean, may, I see when I okay. Sorry, when I say jumper, I'm talking about like shooting from deep. Like I'm not, I'm not pulling up from three feet behind the three point line like ever. I, I better be wide open, catching it perfectly in stride, and I got to be really feeling it that day. Mid range, <laughs> mid range game is pretty good. Mid range, and I can shoot off like, and I can do it off the dribble too. I, 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 I don't know. We just need to play because I don't. I don't want to keep overselling myself. We've done this a lot here, but like, yeah, for the most part, Kate got the rest of it right. I just, it's a, the bet. The mid range game is a lot better than that. Um, how have I described my game? How have I described my game? Kent is a lethal shooter. Um, lethal. that's what he goes with. Yeah. I mean, it really, a lot of Kent's game centers around the fact that he can shoot, right? Like that, that's the majority of what yep. he describes it. Um, he's never down talked his ability to dribble or to take anybody off the dribble, but he's also never like talked it up. So like, I really see Kent honestly as a spot up shooter. And I think competent D spot up shooter with some competent D that's, that's what I get out of Kent. And I feel like I'm probably missing something here, but like, that's where Kent's game centers around when he talks about it. I I am I don't even know if I would describe myself as competent defensive defensively. I would consider myself like calculated. Like I'll just try to play smartly and I'll play from, you know, I'll I'll play, you know, I'll try to keep you outside, you know, and I'll just try to base you up if you try to, you know, get down in the block. But I'm not gonna get do to anything elaborate. Uh I wouldn't say like I'm a elite dribbler, I'm gonna blow past you or anything, but I'm creative enough where like I can. I, I'm not like an elite finisher at the rim either. Uh so that's there's there's the scouting report on me, Matthew. So yeah, this is gonna go great for me. Uh Casey from KC. The DeAndre Hopkins health concerns are they just as significant as they are with Kadarius Tony, and should they stay away? So I'll just I'll 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 take this. DeAndre Hopkins health concerns maybe a little bit, um, but I think when you look at the totality of the roster and you look at, you know, how this is, you know, this team is built, adding another body into that group, another capable body to lengthen that roster in case of injury is what's so valuable. So even if DeAndre Hopkins has some health concerns, which I don't think are quite as much as Tony, because Hopkins has shown the ability to play a full season. Um, I, I think just like, it's, it's hard to compare him apples to apples. It's hard to rely on a guy that has had so many injury concerns in Tony and it's hard to you know like adding that kind of depth to the roster at the position I think is what is so appealing about Hopkins even though there's probably some health concerns there I mean yeah I don't I don't think it's anywhere close to the same level of concerns I don't think Hopkins has had multiple seasons completely derailed by injury uh in fact it's really just been one like I know last year he technically missed two games with a knee injury but like he was gonna play if that team was competing for anything, right? So I 
I don't think it's anywhere close to the same. I think your bigger issue is how is his body reacting to his age, like his body at his age reacting to that singular injury. But I mean, I don't think the two are anywhere close. Tony's simply just never been healthy. He's never been healthy. He's had one healthy year in what we're going on like five years now. His senior year of college was like his only like fully healthy year since he was a sophomore, I believe. So like, that's a lot. That's a lot. And you just watch him. He's so quick twitched. He's so, and the way he runs puts so much stress on his body. Like it, we all remember Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is constantly dealing with hamstring stuff, tight hamstring, hamstring injury, never anything as bad as what Tony seems to go through. But guys that are that twitched up all the time do sometimes just suffer from chronic hamstring injuries. And Tony is a guy whose body so far has not been able to handle it. He has not found a way to been able to handle that on the NFL level with a high workload, DeAndre Hopkins had proven for years after years after years that he was very durable and his body could hold up. So it's just a matter of can it at its age rebound completely, whereas the question for Tony is, will his body ever be able to handle it? Yep. I think that's a great summation of it. And I mean, obviously the Chiefs have some level of confidence. They continue to play that up and show a level of belief that he's going to be able to do it. Hopefully that's the case because we're all wanting that. Like, we're all hoping that happens. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a great addition to this team if he's able to play 17 games. That is going to do it for 21 questions. They shout out Casey, shout out Grayson, shout out Julian for the love for the cheeseburger scale. We got to get it in. Love the cheeseburger scale. We're getting the shout outs in 21 questions. Everybody knows it's great. Kids, continue with your town topic closing. Well, Grayson literally asked how many times Maddie was going to interrupt me during this show, and that answer is at least one there. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much. There's two. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.